This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. If you want to write anything down that we're going to build on, it's this statement. And here we go. Let's get started. God wants to work through us to offer his love to other people. This will be the walkaway point today. When you get in your car, when you go eat lunch, at work tomorrow, if somebody says, what would you pick up at church yesterday? Here's the walkaway. God wants to work through us, through us, to share his love with other people. Acts 9, we pick up an incredible story, and I'm going to talk about it, tell it. You feel free to thumb through Acts 9. There's a gentleman by the name of Saul. And Saul is one rotten fella because he woke up every single morning with one purpose, and that purpose was to cause harm to Christianity and to all those that lived the Christian lifestyle. He literally was hired. He was on the payroll to take out all the Christians and to stop the Christian movement that was rapidly growing So every day he looked for people that followed Christ and he would harm them to some degree, whether it would be to arrest them, oftentimes even torture them. He lived for the opportunity to cause harm to the things of God. So much so is this. He wanted to set records. He wanted to be known as the guy that that Christians wanted to, to dodge and to avoid. He was just mean. He was rotten to the core. And he was on his way one time to a place called Damascus. It's about 100 miles, according to study that I've done. He was on the road for about 100 miles walking. This is, this is before the days of pickup trucks. This is before the days of, of uh, Priuses. Notice I'm the truck guy. You might be the Prius guy. I have no idea what you're smoking, but get out of the Prius into the truck. We live in Texas, somebody. Before trucks, before Prius, before, before electric cars, before V8s that drink it, this guy's walking and he's tired. He's miserable. But he has a purpose, right? What's his purpose? To cause harm to the people of God. And this is what happens. A bright light shines so powerfully that it blinds him. It knocks him down. And his whole world is changed just like that. What's changed? Well, he, first of all, he loses his sight. Huge change. But then a voice, a voice from heaven speaks to him, and it actually gives him, here's a fancy word, it gives him revelation. Instantly, he knows that everything that he's been believing He's been believing a lie. So not only in a matter of a moment does he lose his sight, but now in a matter of a moment, everything he's ever believed is not true. His whole world has been turned upside down. Well, when he instantly came into the realization that what he's believing is not true, that means he lost his circle of friends that were believing the falsehood. That means he's been cut off from his whole His whole network, his tribe, 
his group. Everything's changed for this man. All because of this moment with this bright light that we'll soon see was an act of God. So he picks himself up. And the Bible says for about three days, this man started to feel lonely. This man started to feel desperate. This man started to feel anxiety on a whole nother level that he's never felt before. His whole world's crumbling. Now, I know that none of us, because we're here today in a Christian church, majority of us, it'd be rare if someone would disagree with this statement. Most of us would think, well, good, I'm glad that God straightened him out. But you got to put yourself in his shoes. He was living believing a lie he did not realize there was another way a better way so out of respect to Saul all of us should probably feel like bless his heart because he's blind he's lost everybody that he knows he's he's stuck in a in a in a foreign world he's confused he's lonely etc so here we go this is how cool God is though while God's doing this to Saul God's also, on the other side of town, he's also talking to this guy named Ananias. For all of our pregnant ladies, consider that for your next kid, Ananias. Could you imagine it Cook's children, a family of Ananias? It'd be a little different than Tommy or Joe or Lucy, but Ananias. He says, Ananias, this is what I need you to do. Cross town, I have someone that... I've been doing my dead level best to get his attention, and I finally think I have his attention. I need you because you have great influence, and, and I know I can trust you, and we're in relationship. I need you to go be friends with Saul. And instantly, Ananias does what all of us would do. I'm cool if it's Joe, Richard, but Saul, the guy that kills people like me, I don't think I want to sign up to be friends with the murderer of Christians. Well, he's not only dealing with Saul, he's not only dealing with Ananias, God's also planting the seed and dealing with a man named Barnabas. And he's letting Barnabas know that things are going to be changing. The very man that you've been afraid of, I'm going to change his heart and I need you to be a friend to Saul, because it's going to be you that introduces Saul to all the believers. So, let's recap real quick before we go head first into this message. We got a man that's cruel against Christians. We got a man that's now being asked by God to be friends with him. And we got another man that's being asked to be friends with him, but not just friends, but network him into the family of faith. God revealed in a blind man's life the power of influence and the necessity of a good friend. And for the next seven days, I want you to join me in prayer and literally ask God to make you a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, an aunt, uncle, businessman, an employer, an employee, to make you a believer 
that has unstoppable influence that will change the world. But if you're going to be an influential parent, an influential friend, if you're going to have influence, you've heard it said this way before, oh, that, whatever that happened, that killed his influence. I'm going to give you a few things to consider to avoid. These are influence killers. These are traps. These are traps in life that it will literally take away in any influence that you ever wanted to have. The first one is fear. Everyone say fear. You have to avoid the trap of fear. If God's going to use you in any degree of influence, if God's going to help change the world through you, if God's going to share his love through you, you cannot live by fear. Let me offer you a few scriptures to consider. Proverbs 29 and 25. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. you got to live by faith, not by fear. Can I get a good old-fashioned amen? Here's number two trap that you got to avoid quickly today, and that's the trap of insecurity. Insecurity. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Gideon in Scripture? A lot of you have. Maybe there's a handful here in this second service. You've never heard of a guy named Gideon. Well, this is, this is a story out of the book of Judges chapter 6. We have a, a battle taking place. We have a fight taking place. And there's this one gentleman named Gideon that goes and hides. It's not time to hide when there's a fight taking place unless you're a coward, unless you're a little wimp, unless you're trapped in fear and you're afraid. I mean, they're, they're, I mean it's, it's Mayweather and McGregor style. And Gideon is running for his life. And the Bible says he takes cover in the wine press. The wine press is this big pit, so he's down in this hole, and out of nowhere, he's trembling, thinking, I don't want to fight. I don't want to be a part of a fight. I don't want anybody to fight me. I just want to sit down here, eat a box of Twinkies, and drink some coffee, and be alone. And the voice of God says, Gideon, there's my man Gideon, you mighty warrior. Gideon responded like some of you. Gideon's like, <laughs> I thought you were God there for a minute. Because if you were God, you would obviously know I'm not a mighty warrior. And God says, no, you, you, you are. You're a mighty man of valor. And you know what Gideon says? Not only are you wrong, my entire family, we're the weakest family in the neighborhood. And I'm the weakest member of our family. You cannot call me a mighty man of war. And God says, here's the problem. You're seeing yourself through your own eyes. Just trust me and see yourself the way I see you. I'm about to use you to reach people for my cause. You are a mighty man if you, everybody listen, if you'll put that on and wear it, you're a mighty man. If you'll own what I'm telling you, you're a mighty man. If you'll come up out of that pit and let me do in you and through you what I want to do, you're a mighty man. Some of you in this room today, without question, 
God wants to use you. I've been looking forward to this service all morning. I told the 9 o'clock service I can't wait to the 11 o'clock because we'll have some students in the 11 o'clock. School's about to start. College is about to fire off. I mean, we're, we're going to have people in, in, in places, uh, uh, in large rooms, in large gatherings of people. And God wants to do something in you and through you this year. Literally in the next few weeks, he's wanting to do something great in you. But the number one trap you're going to have to avoid, you can't be afraid to be used by God. And you cannot struggle with this insecurity thing. You have to trust that God sees something in you that you may not see. And what God sees in you is mighty. What God sees in you is powerful. What God sees in you is influence. Hey, everybody. Facts. Every day you live, you're being influenced and you're influencing. You're influenced and you're influencing. And if you're trapped in insecurity, you'll never be able to maximize your influence. You will only help maximize who's influencing you. I'm preaching better than your amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know, he's right. That's pretty good preaching. Insecurity. Third trap I want you to avoid. Unhealthy relationships. Unhealthy relationships. Psalms chapter number one, boy, it just throws it down. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who does not stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Blessed is the man that knows how to manage his relationships. And to our students today, mom and dad, I'm, I'm wanting to partner with you. And to our students, I'm wanting to partner with you. You do not have to maintain unhealthy relationships. If you are going to be a person of influence, you're, 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 you can't live by fear, and you can't live in insecurity, and you cannot be stuck in unhealthy relationships. Now, let's define unhealthy relationships because I know where I'm at. I'm in a church full of people that all of us have different opinions. So let me clarify what I mean by unhealthy relationships. I absolutely love all of my relationships that I have, and I have a lot of them that are relationships with unbelievers. I absolutely love my time with unbelievers. Denora and I were recently invited, and uh, I officiated a wedding here in our local community, and, and, and this relationship is, is stemmed from my daughter's school, and I've just been nice to these, these people I'm referring to. We've just been friendly, and, and it came time for them to be uh, married, and they asked me to do the wedding, and, man, I was quick to say yes. And I walked in to this wedding, and it was a large wedding. Maybe about 200 people were there. And Denora whispered to me. She goes, I don't think we know, but like three people. And I went, I know. I was so excited. It's like, it, that's what melts my butter, man. I absolutely, it's a drug. It's a drug. I thought, there's a whole room, 200 people, I'll see you in two hours. 
could not wait. And sure enough, there's always one in the room. And uh, we're in this room, and, and I'm not profiling here, so don't think I'm being whatever. I'm not trying to profile. I'm not judging. I'm just, just telling you the reality of the night. I, I, I sense that maybe the majority of those in attendance have never given their life to Jesus. And that's not, I'm not profiling that. I just picked it up from conversations with people, and, and they were inquiring about my faith and, and my belief in Christ. And, but there's always that one, right? Hit the bar a little too much. And he came over to me and said, well, I got to tell you something, preacher, you're wrong. I was like, well, it wouldn't be the first time. Um, you've been talking to my wife. Uh, <laughs> and he says, you're wrong, man. I said, what am I wrong about? I, I, I never said the Cowboys were going to win the Super Bowl. I just give them ten. And he says, no, you told a couple that they're not supposed to look at each other or the way they look at each other. That they're, and I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought, I need to take my coat off. We're going to scrap or what, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't want to mess this coat up. If we can do it, we can do it without my coat. So what, what are we going to do? And he says, no, 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 I'm serious. He said, you told that marriage, you should look at your spouse through the eyes of God and not through their own eyes of judgment. And that's absolute truth. Let me help somebody here today. And, we're, and, we're, and we're, we're talking about unhealthy relationships. Everybody's going to have an opinion on this, and I want to clarify what I mean. Thank God for relationships with people that have never given their life to Jesus. Don't cut those kind of relationships off. But when God created you and you were conceived by your mom and dad, he gave you head knowledge and he gave you heart knowledge. And the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone will tell you which one to listen to. There are relationships with unbelievers that you need to be committed to because you are the Ananias in their life. But then there are some relationships with unbelievers that they're the influence on you. And you have to know which one, head knowledge or heart knowledge, you're going to have to navigate this. You cannot allow yourself in your faith. Your faith will never grow beyond your, your moment of conversion. Your faith will never grow any deeper if all your time and energy is spent on people that are influencing you. In other words, hang out with people that are going to take you closer to God, not further from God. Make sense? Fourth and finally. Your final trap to avoid. What are we trying to avoid? Fear, insecurity, unhealthy relationships. And the last one is you cannot be a person of influence for God's kingdom if you have ongoing sin. Ongoing sin. Guys, you see it all around this church campus. You see it in our, all of our materials. I will be personally teaching our growth track as soon as this service is over. I would love for you, if you're, if you're interested in knowing more about me and this church, I want you to come today. As soon as this is over, we'll feed you. We'll take care of your kids. I just give me 30, 45 minutes with you, and I'll be telling you what I'm gonna, uh, uh, more about what this is. God's plan for your life is for you to get to know him in salvation. But then the big plan of God is to get you freed up from all your issues. God doesn't just want to save you and let you go to heaven. Because until you go to heaven, you're stuck here on this earth. And God wants to get you freed from all your junk. That's what God's plan is. Now, I'll say it this way. God wants to bring you out of sin and then he wants to work with you and get the sin out of you. Are you tracking with me? 
The problem with ongoing sin is, God, I want you to save me. But then we frustrate the grace of God by going right back into the lifestyle of sin. And we want to say thumbs up for salvation. And God says, only by my grace. But you're really ruining a lot of the years of your life. And I can't really use you in influence if you have ongoing sin in your life. I, I really paid the price, not just to save you, but I paid the price on the cross to get you free from that bondage that has you bound. Somebody say amen. So there are your traps to avoid. If you're going to be an influential mom and dad, an influential businessman, if you're going to be an influential friend, neighbor, aunt, uncle, cousin, you're going to have to avoid that stuff. That's number one. And now we're going to make the corner. And I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you a few keys that will literally unlock the influence that you can have for the glory of God. And I need all of our students. And I know they're not all just right here. This is just a little group. There's students all over this room. I see them from that back corner all the way over here. If you're a student going into school, let me help you right now, okay? Here are the keys that will unlock influence in your life. Matter of fact, I, I, I said this in the first service and I want to do it right now. This is not... My notes, this is just my heart. There's a lot of teachers a part of this church. We have a lot of school teachers, teachers in this service, and we have admin in this service. You're about to have an incredible opportunity another school year. And God is going to send you students, and he's going to send you parents, and he's going to send you connections and friends and networks for a whole other school year that I believe with all my heart is divine design that you will play a special role in in helping them hear about the love of Jesus. But here are your keys. It's the story of Ananias, Acts chapter number 9. The very first one, the very first key that we see in Ananias' life was he had to listen. Everyone say the word listen. Acts chapter 9 verse 10. In Damascus, so here he is, Saul is blind in Damascus. God speaks to Ananias and he says these words. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. And Ananias responded, yes, Lord. He listened. If you will use your spiritual antenna, God will literally direct you to the right business connections. God will connect you to the right friendships. God will connect you to the right neighbors in your neighborhood. If you will have, the Bible says, he that has ears, let him hear. If you will listen, God wants to place you into relationships that are literally God designed for you and for your family, for your future but if you're not listening, you'll end up hooking up with the wrong relationships that are going to take you away from the will of God and the plan of God. And then you're going to wonder, what happened? You are who you roll with. You are who you do life with. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. And I was sitting in the backyard just the other day with my own daughter. She's going into this whole new world of sixth grade. And I looked at her, and I speak this same blessing over every parent in the room today. Because you know what we're about to hit. We're about to hit school again. And you need, to, you need to pray this prayer over your children. And that is, God, send us the right friends. Send us the right friends that we can have influence on, 
the right friends that don't know Christ. We want to have influence on their lives and send the right friends that will influence us to bring us closer to Christ. But you have to listen. Ananias said, yes, Lord. In other words, God knew that when he spoke to Ananias that he wouldn't get a busy signal, that he wouldn't get hung up on. He knew Ananias was going to say, yes, Lord. And the second key is just a few scriptures later. And that is you have to trust what God's telling you. And you have to believe. Trust and believe. First, first key, listen. Once you hear from God, second key is trust and believe. This is big in this story because he said, yes, Lord, Ananias answered. And, and, and this is what the Ananias says. Lord, I have heard many reports about this guy named Saul and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And matter of fact, he's even come here to Damascus with authority from the chief priest to arrest all of us that call on your name. And the Lord interrupted and said, I know Ananias. Don't forget, I'm the Lord. I know. Go because this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Proverbs 3 and 5, somebody need, you need to make this your life scripture. You need to put this on a sticky note and put it right on your mirror at home. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to outthink God. God's trying to put you in the right connections. He's trying to send uh, you, Miss Hoffman, one of our great school teachers. He's trying to send you the right students this year. He's wanting to send you the right parents this year. And I know there's a fine line in your professionalism of not crossing the line between church and state. But you know what? A kid hears the love of a teacher. Parents hear the love of a teacher. Are you tracking with me, everybody? For every plumber in the room, for every car salesman, for all the attorneys, for, for, for any of you that, that, that are in the marketplace, God's wanting to send you the right people. So listen and then trust and believe that God is in the midst. And our final key before I pray over you today is after you hear and after you trust and believe, then you have to go. Everyone say go. You have to take action. This happens to me so often, everybody. And I only share this as a personal story. This is in no way. Uh, I, I give all glory to the Lord with this. But I meet a lot of people every day. It's just what I do. You get it. It's what I do. I meet a lot of people. But I practice this. There are some hands that I shake that without question I know the timing's not right for this relationship. I'm friendly. I'm kind. I just know that the heart's not ready. Their mind is elsewhere. Their attention, it's focused on other things. So I just turn that person to the, to the Lord knowing that one day God's going to bring me right back to them and their timing's going to be right. But then there's other hands that I shake. Whether it's at the retail store, maybe it's at a hospital. I spend a lot of times at hospitals and 
maybe just a stranger in the waiting room, but when I shake that hand, the Holy Spirit, I know there's a reason for this encounter. The reason, let me tell you what the reason's not. The reason's not for me to beat them up with a Bible. The reason's not for me to pass judgment. What's the reason for me just to have influence? What kind of influence? Just to help them move to the next step. What's their next step? Baptism? Maybe not. Their next step maybe just simply considering that if there's a God or not. Maybe their next step is to maybe invite their children to join them on a Sunday and try a community of worship, whether it's this church or any church. You got to understand, everybody, God wants to use you if you're willing to listen. If you're willing to trust and believe Him that He's putting you in the right relationships. But then, you got the ball, and then you have to go with it. And you have to believe that God's going to lead you and direct you, guide you. Let me tell you the most powerful part of this sermon. Because there's some of you in this service that have no idea who I'm talking about when I keep talking about this guy named Saul. Saul used to hate Christians, right? But then when he fell down to the ground, blinded eyes, he didn't need food and water. He needed a friend. And God sent him Ananias and Barnabas. And before you know it, he became Paul. The most ultimate Christian missionary of history. Writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. Some of you, your life has been changed. Because you read that you're saved by grace. And not by works, lest any man should boast. You had a light bulb moment that I don't have to perform for God. I don't have to obey all these crazy rules for God. I'm saved by grace. Guess who wrote that? The Holy Spirit through Paul. The guy that was blind on the dirt road. And if it were not for two men of influence, of Ananias and Barnabas, Paul never would have been in prison writing letters to all of us in the church. Some of you married couples in here. The only reason you're still together is because someone shared 1 Corinthians 13 with you. You know it as the chapter of love. Who wrote it? Paul. Formerly known as Saul. Some of you, the only way you've gotten through the nightmare of your life. When you were laid off. When you were divorced. When you found out you were diagnosed with cancer. The only way you even survived was because someone shared a word of, of the scripture with you that he's working all things out for the good. Who wrote it? Paul. So the very man that was breaking all time records on stopping Christianity, the very man that was setting the bar, setting the standard and causing havoc in the church is now the very man that's breaking all-time records because some of you have been feasting on the word that all things are possible. 
to him that believes. Let me tell you who God's wanting to hook you up with. A Saul. There's another Saul. He might live on your street. He might be two cubicles down at your place of work. There might be a Saul in your classroom this year that just needs somebody that has a little influence, that has a little understanding of who Jesus is. We all love to say that Paul changed the world. He did. But he wouldn't have if Ananias didn't listen, trust, believe, and go. We all want to say, Paul changed everything in the New Testament writings. Yeah, he did. But he wouldn't have if it were not for Barnabas saying, I want to introduce you to all the other disciples. They're scared to death of you, so don't frown and growl and don't make any quick hand motions. We're about to go in here. They're terrified. You just be you. I'll make the connections, okay? I'm your connector. Hey, everybody. Oh, my God, close the door. No, it's good. What do you mean it's good? It's a setup. It's not a setup. Ananias. He's led him to Jesus. It's not what you think. You're kidding us. Nah, now come on out. And the team was formed. I've got people in my life today that were not in my life last year. Just because of influence. There are people in this church that were not saved last year because of influence. So for the next seven days, I want you to pray. God, let me hear. Let me be directed to who I need to know and who I need to have coffee with, who I need to do business with. I know you have my best interest at heart and you have theirs. And there's a divine connection waiting to happen. I'm not here to build my kingdom. I'm here to build yours. So put me in the right friendships. I trust you. I believe you. And when you speak to me, I'm going to go and I'm going to do something special for the kingdom of God. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to I close out this, I want to close out this service with something funny that just happened in my own family. I've got the coolest kids in the world. They're so beautiful. They're so smart. They get their looks from their mom and their brains from their mom but I'll tell you right now my kids just because they're Pastor Tommy's kids they're just kids they the same kids I was you like that grammar they the same kids you was they're just kids they just happen to be the daughter of a guy that stands up and tries to talk about Jesus but they're still just kids so we've been in this prayer season, right? These 21 days of prayer. So on campus, we have prayer meeting right now every Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. It's 6 o'clock. And bless the little hearts. They just get drugged with so much stuff that they literally, we like give them Benadryl and just drag them. We drug them. You know, we drag them. So Friday night, 
All the ladies were at my house, right? They had a big old swim party at my house, and all the ladies were having fun, and I get kicked out of my house, right? My house. My house. I got kicked out. So I called my buddy Jeff. I called Jeff, and I said, your wife going to the party? Yeah. I said, what are you going to do with your kids? He said, I don't know. You want to do something fun? So I called Pastor Dustin. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I don't know. What are you doing with your kids? I called my man Carlos. What's up, Carlos? I'm glad you're here today. And I'm like, what are you doing with your kids? So all of us, we start talking. Well, let's do something fun with them. And I'm like, well, y'all, y'all, let's figure this out. So we, we, we scheduled to go to one of them little bounce places, you know. Breaks ankles and sign your life away on liability forms. You know what I'm talking about. Spend $50 for a broke leg. So we sign everything that we get excited about going. So in my truck, I've got my daughter, Selah. I've got his daughter, Sadie. And then I've got my youngest, Esme. They're in the back seat. We're rolling. And they're like, bounce house, going to the bounce house. No, 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 We're going to prayer meeting first. And my kid, my kid, the preacher kid. Oh, no. No. And I'm thinking. Oh, Lord. I'm, all I'm doing is reaping of what I've sown. And she said, Daddy, is it going to be like last night's prayer meeting? And I went, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. She said, it's so boring. And I'm like, yeah. And then leave it up to Jeff's daughter. Sadie says, yeah, but thanks, Selah. Think after we pray for a little while, we get to go to the bounce house. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going change to the, change the attitude, right? No. My girl says, oh, so it's kind of like dessert after a terrible meal. <laughs> it's my kid. I guess I need to step in and parent more. <clears throat> total joke. Total joke. I close with that little story to tell you this. I close with that just to tell you. Prayer for all of us. If somebody looks you in the eye and says, I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. I get to go pray. They're on something. Their own something. And let me tell you why. Because there's nothing about this flesh that wants to submit over everything to God. There's nothing that just wakes up every day saying, I need to turn it all over to God. We love to control. We love to call the shots. But I'm asking you as your pastor, We've already finished seven days. We're in our second stretch of seven days. If you have to bait yourself with a little dessert, figure out a way to spend time with God this week. Humble yourself before the Lord and ask for God's blessings to come on your life. Give Him the keys to your life's vehicle. Put Him in the driver's seat. Make the critical decision to make Him Lord and Savior. Most people are okay with making Him Savior. 
You need to go to the next step and make him Lord. And give him lordship. And I promise you this much. God's going to put you into friendships and networks that will leave you changed forever. Some of you are one friend away from everything being better in your world. Because all that you have is life-draining, life-sucking friendships that never want to take you further to God, but want to keep you back from God. You just need the right person in your life to influence you to where you can influence others. Are you following me today? Do you receive the word of the Lord? I want to pray this blessing over you before we go home. Bow your heads. With every eye closed and every head bowed. If you're here at this 11 o'clock service and you've never given your heart to Jesus as Lord and Savior. I need you to quickly raise your hand and I want to pray a blessing over you tonight. Raise your hand quickly. If you've never had the grace of Jesus save you. I see you right there, sir. Is there anyone else before I pray? If you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, if you're ready to make a fresh start. Matter of fact, I feel led to say this. If you've walked away from the Lord and for some reason you thought you wanted to go to church today, and today's the day that you want to give your heart to Jesus again, raise your hand quickly. Quickly. I want to pray for you. Pray with you. I see you right here. I see you also. For those that have your hands up, this is my prayer for you. And I ask you in Jesus' name just to take these words and make them your words. Speak this from your heart, you to the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my wrongdoings. Some of my wrongdoings were just simply mistakes made. Others, they were even thought provoked. But I ask you to forgive me. I've come to my own senses in this very service. Something's gotten a hold of me. And I want to give you control of my life. I ask you to save me today. I believe with all my heart what Jesus Christ did on the cross was enough for my salvation. And by faith I believe. I believe. I believe. That you're saving me even now. In Jesus name. Remaining with your head bowed, I dismiss you with this prayer. Dear Lord, I pray a blessing over everyone in this room, all our students, our families. May we become people of influence, a godly influence. And may we choose to do life with others that have godly influence. Life is too short to get caught in the traps of fear, insecurity, traps and unhealthy relationships. Life is too short to be dabbling with ongoing sin. I choose to come out of that into the blessed life that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord this morning. <clears throat> amen. All right, everybody, if you're new here and you would like to know more about our ministry, join me right now out of this door and this door to the back. We have something to just chat a little bit about. We'll feed you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Get registered for next week's baptisms, everybody. God be with you.